Hey, hey, it is Friday. It is time for Friday Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary. Each week, I deconstruct my journey, my struggles through professional baseball to help unpack yours so you can live a life on purpose. I take the lessons I learned in baseball and help you apply them in business and in life. So if you're ready to join me, grab your glove, grab a ball, get ready to take the mound, and get ready to bear down to strike out the limiting beliefs in your life. All right, here we go. Hey, hey, welcome back to Friday Bullpen Sessions. My name is Andy Neary, and this is episode 202. Today, we are going to talk about consistency, that word I love, and I'm going to share a recap of Hell on the Hill, a race I just participated in last week, uh, as it taught me so many lessons about consistency and the power of consistency, so I can't wait to share those lessons with you. But before we uh, get there, a couple things. If you are Benefits Advisor, and you're listening into this episode, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm grateful um, that you download these episodes. Hopefully, you're sharing them with your peers. But I'm excited to let you know that we have officially come out with Broker Branding Academy online. We've been doing our live 12-week courses three times a year. Brokers absolutely love them. They are game-changing when it comes to developing a prospecting and marketing system to help you go out and get a ton of awareness, get the right prospects in your pipeline. We've now turned it into an online course. Yeah, you can take it as fast as you want. It's a fraction of the cost of the live academy. So if you want to know more, here's what I want you to do. Simply text the word ACADEMY to 414-622-1462. That's ACADEMY to 414-622-1462 and we'll send you some information so you can learn more. You can get the course, you can take it and get ramped up to have one hell of a Q4 productive season. So, all right, let's dive into today's episode. So let me take you back. Uh, last week I participated in Hell on the Hill. And if you don't know what that is, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, provide some details here. Hell on the Hill is a race uh, that is hosted by a gentleman that I've followed for a few years, Jesse Itzler. It's a man, he's a man that I've admired, super successful. You may know his wife, Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Yeah, both of them combined, they're doing okay. In fact, I think she just sold Spanx for a couple billion dollars. So yeah, I mean, but at the same time, they are just down to earth, humble people. And that's something I really love about Jesse and following him. And he's really taught me a lot about living life to the fullest. In fact, he is somebody, uh, he's somebody that I followed because of a comment I heard him make on a podcast where he was being interviewed. And it was, it was Jesse who talked about, you know, looking at life not in the number of years, but the number of experiences. And I remember he was getting interviewed by Tom Bilyeu. And he said, hey, Tom, let, let me share how important this is with you. And he said, Tom, how, how, how old are your parents? And Tom said, 70 years old. He said, okay, where do they live? He said, state of Washington. And Tom lives in Los Angeles. He said, okay, how many times a year do you see your parents? He said, eh, one to three times. He said, okay, so let's... Let's say you see your parents on average twice a year. Your parents are 70 years old. And let's say they live to be 80. It's easy to look at that and say, hey, I got 10 years left with my parents. But you don't. You actually have 20 experiences left with your parents. If you only see them twice a year for the next 10 years, you only have 20 experiences left with your parents. And that, I mean, that rocked me. When I thought about that, one, I live a thousand miles away from my parents, as does Amy. And two, it just really made me realize, you know, the power of 
experiences of looking like looking at life not in the number of years, weeks, months, but experiences. Are you living life to the fullest? And I know I have been terribly guilty of not doing that from time to time, being too focused on work and things like that. So rewind a couple months. And it was in July and I was doing some second half of the year planning for my business. And one of the things I had committed to do while I was planning was I said, I want to, I want to participate in something that is going to challenge me mentally and or physically between now and the end of the year. And at the time, I didn't know if it was going to be a mastermind, um, something physical, whatever it was going to be. What could I do to get outside my comfort zone and challenge myself? to think bigger, uh, something that was going to challenge me both mentally and physically. And it was uh, the irony of what happened next that made me realize this is what I need to do. So as I'm telling myself this, the next day, I get an email. In fact, no, I take that back. I get a, it's a, It was Amy who shared an Instagram post from Jesse Itzler announcing that he was going to be hosting a second Hell on the Hill race in South Berwick, Maine. Now, he hosts this Hell on the Hill race at his lake house in Connecticut every summer. And I had been on the wait list for a couple of years, but trying to get in, trying to, to get picked or registered for that event is almost impossible. I think he only accepts 75 people maybe. A lot of them are his friends. And I'd been on the, I've been on the wait list for a couple of years and was hoping I'd get picked this year. It didn't happen. So when he announced he was doing a second race in uh, Maine, I didn't even think for a second. I didn't even contemplate. I hit the pay now button. I said, this is the challenge I need. There was a reason Amy gave me this message. I need to do this. So I signed up and the race was last week, Friday, September 9th. And now let me share with you what this race is. Let me give you a little detail. So it's called Hell on the Hill. And so I don't think I need to describe to you what we're doing. We're, we're, we're definitely doing something on a hill. And the race itself is a half marathon. It's 13.1 miles. But it's not 13.1 miles from point A to point B like many half marathons are. No, it's 13.1 miles up and down a hill. And... The distance equals 65 laps up and down this hill. So you run a tenth of a mile up, turn around, and run a tenth of a mile back down. And you do this 65 times. And when I signed up for the race back in July, I felt good about my ability to prepare for it being that I live in Fort Collins, Colorado. We live at 5,000 feet. We also live right next to the Rocky Mountains. And just west of me in the foothills, I knew I could go do some of my training. So for the last, I don't know, month, month and a half, every week I was committed. This is where we start to talk about consistency. Every week I committed to doing two things. Normally I, I spend my weeks exercising um, – with a mix of uh, lifting weights in the gym and, and running. Most of them are jogs, runs, four, five, six, seven, sometimes eight miles. But with the race, with preparation for the hell on the hill, once I signed up for it, I, I added two things to my weekly training regimen. The first one 
It was just down the street from our house. There is a, a hill, a nice little climb, not too steep, but a nice little lengthy climb that I had committed to every week. I was going to go down there and run 10 sprints up that hill. And I think total is about a quarter of a mile per sprint. And so every Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning, depending on the week, I was out on Old Strauss Cabin Road doing my 10 sprints. And then I had committed on the weekends that I was going to go up to the foothills on Saturday morning and I was going to really work on that jogging up and down a steep incline because some of the roads up near Horsetooth Reservoir here are extremely steep. And so Saturday mornings would come by or would come on and I'd head out to the foothills and I would run anywhere from six, seven miles up and down the same road. I'd measure off 10th of a mile knowing that's what the race was. And I just do that over and over and over again. Now, here's where consistency becomes very important because when I was preparing for this race, the second I heard it was 65 laps, I no longer thought about it as 13.1 miles. I didn't even let that thought get in my head because I think when we get prepared for something, especially a race like this, but even in business, right? If you look at the big goal, the length, the distance, whatever that is, it is easy to psych yourself out. And I said, no, this is nothing more than 65 laps at two tenths of a mile per lap. And oh, by the way, of that 13.1 miles, 6.55 of it is downhill. Now, don't let that convince you that this race was easy. <laughs> Just because half the race was downhill doesn't mean this was an easy 13.1 miles. In fact, the later the race got, the harder those downhills got. Because if you're a runner, you know running downhill when your legs are tired is painful. And so every Saturday morning, I would go up to, uh, I think that's route road 23. I don't even know the name of our roads out in the foothills, but I would go up and down and it was, it was hilarious. Cause on Saturday mornings, I'd be doing these repeats up and down this hill and cars would come by cyclists would come by and they could kind of tell they're chuckling at me. Like, what is this idiot doing? He's just running up and down this hill. And, but that was my way to prepare. Now the longest distance I ran preparing for this half marathon was about seven miles in total. So I never went out and ran a total of 13.1 miles up and down a hill. I just prepared what it was going to feel like to go up and down a 10th of a mile at a time. So what I would do while I was training is I would break it up into 10 laps per interval. And if you do the math, 10 laps is two miles per interval. So I would go up and down 10 times at the bottom. I'd pause for 90 seconds and I would repeat it again, two, three more times. And at that point, I, this race, as I mentioned earlier, was no longer about 13.1 miles. It was just about achieving 65 laps. And the other thing I really focused on while putting in those laps up in the foothills was just being consistent. If I tried to sprint up that first lap, lap nine was going to be brutal. And I just said, nope. Start slow, start consistent, start with a pace that you can keep going at lap 10, lap 20, lap 30, 
And I just wanted to, my legs to, to feel what it would be like to go up and down, up and down. And so I did that for a month and a half. Now it was time to head to South Berwick and participate in the race. And a couple of things I realized when I got there. So this, this race was in what I would describe as, I don't know how to describe it, almost like a, a county park event center. Um, the place had a, a nice little lake there, uh, definitely an open area if you wanted to host an event where you could put some tents up. But on the left side of this property was this steep hill. And that's where we ran the race. But the first thing I realized when I got there is I realized how important all the training was out here in Colorado, because I felt when I arrived, I felt like I had two distinct advantages. Number one, I trained at 5,000 feet. South Berwick, Maine is at 102 feet above sea level. And I was training on a road that was much steeper than this hill. Now this hill was still a hill. Don't get me wrong. But the, the, the road that I trained on out here in Fort Collins was at a very, very steep pitch. We're talking 12, 13% grade. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was steep. And so when I arrived on Thursday afternoon for the pre-race events, I felt confident because I had put in the work. So that was the first lesson that I really took home was because I prepared properly when I arrived the day before the race, I saw the hill that we would be competing on. I wasn't psyched out. In fact, I, I arrived and looked at the hill and said, man, I can do this. My preparation led to the confidence in my ability to complete the mission. Take note of that. How prepared are you right now? Whether it is preparing for a race like hell on the hill or preparing to have success with your business. Are you putting in the work when no one is watching that makes it look so easy for you on quote unquote game day? So when I got to South Berwick, I got to the park, I wasn't psyched out. I was ready. I was actually excited because I, I realized all that work I'd put in, I was putting in the right work and all that work I was putting in is going to pay off. And so Friday morning rolls around. We arrive at the park. Some people actually camped on site. I actually, I took a hotel. I booked a hotel because I, I have to sleep in a bed if I'm going to have a, uh, if I'm going to get a good night's sleep. And so I arrive at the park bright and early about quarter to six Friday morning and 250 of us lined up to take on the hill. Now, the one part of the hill that I did not take into account when I was doing all the training out here in Fort Collins is we were running on grass. It's easy to run on a highway road with gravel or with blacktop. That's easy to allow your shoes, you know, to get grip. But when you're running on grass, especially starting at 630, I think we actually ended up starting at seven in the morning. The grass is wet. It's going to get stomped down with 250 people going up and down for 65 laps. And so that was the only part of this race that I was unsure about because I didn't do any of that training on grass. And so how you start the race is everybody starts at the top of the hill. And when they blow the whistle, everybody starts running down. And at that point, the race starts. And, and all they asked, if you might be wondering how in the world do you get 250 people to go around a 
not a big lap to begin with. Um, as far as circumference goes, how do you get 250 people to do that without running into each other? Well, the goal was if you're going to be running it, stay on the inside, the walkers stay on the outside. And you had four hours to complete this race. And so the whistle blows and I start running down the hill and immediately I got in the zone. Now, Another thing that I want to stress about the race and, and talking about how preparation leads to consistent preparation leads to confidence. I knew exactly what my pre-race routine was. Whenever I had a big race or a big uh, workout, excuse me, out here in preparing for the race, or even just a long run on a Saturday morning, normally I do not eat before I run. I, I run fasted. But when I have a long run, especially if it was going to be on like a warmer day, I would eat uh, toast with almond butter, a couple of banana slices on it, and some mahuka, manuka honey. Sorry, manuka honey. And that would just give me that, that energy I needed, the carbs I needed to really feel good. So Friday morning, I had a banana ready to go. I didn't have toast, but I had a banana, my almond butter, no manuka honey, but I had banana and almond butter, packet ready to go, and I ate that on the way to the race. So immediately when the whistle blows, we head down that first lap. I already felt in the zone. Now, here is where the lessons on consistency allowed me to have probably one of the best races I've ever had, whether that's the hell on the hill, all of the triathlons I've done in the past, Ironmans, you name it. When I look at my past the kind of triathlete I was over a decade ago, I was competitive. I was what I would call, I was good. I was very, in some races I finished in the top three. I was very competitive, but here's what I lacked 10 plus years ago. Consistency. I lacked consistency in my training and I lacked consistency mentally and physically during the race. I was that guy at a triathlon, especially the shorter distances that sometimes would go out a little too fast and it would end up hurting me later in the race. I was that guy in Ironman races that would try to push it at a certain point that I probably shouldn't have. And it would cost me later on in the race. But where I'm at today at a, at 44 years old is I'm in a different place mentally and physically, especially mentally, where I am just more locked in on being consistent. There's a phrase I've heard a lot lately from, from those I follow. It is better to be consistently good than occasionally great. And that's what this race was about. And so I'm coming down that first hill. You get to the bottom of the lap to come back up the hill. And immediately on the first lap, I did two things. Number one, as I started running back up the hill, I said to myself, just a hill, man, just a hill, just one more hill. And the second thing I did is I looked down at my wrist and I'm wearing a, a bracelet that we give all of our fine women in the league of their own community. We have, cause my bracelet has one word on it, consistency. And so as I came up that first lap, I said, Hey, just another hill, man, just one more hill. And then I looked at my bracelet, which said consistency and slowly jogged my way up that hill, got up to the top, came back down. 
when I got to the bottom of the hill for lap two, just another hill, man, just one more hill. Looked at my bracelet and I did it again. Now, at about lap 22, I can remember running down the hill and my pace had not changed at this point. Mind you, the longest I had trained for at this point for the race with all my laps here in Fort Collins, the, the most laps I completed while training in Fort Collins was 40. And I broke it up into, excuse me, take that back. It was actually the most I had done was 25 laps total in any one training session. 65 laps is the race. However, with my training, the most I had done in one training session was 25 tenth of a mile laps. So now I'm at lap 22. And I haven't stopped. I haven't walked. And my pace was consistent as hell. And I can remember running down the hills about lap 22 or 23. And this kid's behind me. Kid, I say kid. He's probably in his early 20s. And he said, hey, man, dude, you're a fucking savage. <laughs> I turn around and I, I laugh because I'm just, you know, having fun, focused on consistency. And he comes up and I said, what do you mean, man? And he said, dude, you have literally been the same pace for this entire race so far. Like you've run up every hill, you've run down every hill, and you have just been consistent as hell. And I literally showed him the bracelet on my wrist. I said, man, this is what it's all about. This whole race is about consistency. I said, watch, watch how people take this race. You'll have people who slowly walk up the hill and then they'll sprint down the hill. You'll have people who are struggling and then They'll get that burst of energy and then they'll sprint. And within minutes, they're struggling again. Think about how this applies to business too, your business and life, right? I said, this is all about consistency, brother. I said, just be consistent. And Anna, I kept going. He ran with me for a while. He fell back. I get to lap 50 and I haven't broken stride. In fact, there's a woman that's down at the bottom of the hill and her job is to be handing out high fives. She's, you know, cheering everybody on. She works for all day running the, the company that hosts the race, Jesse Itzler's company. And I can remember about laps 40 to 50, somewhere in between there, as I was coming down, she'd look at me and say, you're back again already. Because I just kept going. The consistency of my pace did not change. In fact, I was telling Amy after the race, I said, I don't, if you were to track the, my laps for the first 50 and track my pace, I bet you I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't fall one way or the other by more than four or five seconds. It was just a consistent lap for the first 50. And that was one of the most powerful lessons I learned at the race was just being consistent. And what was so interesting is as we got deep into the race, and you had some of the leaders, people who were already at lap 50 when everybody else was somewhere maybe in the, the mid-30s. People started recognizing that. And I can remember as I was making my laps in my early 50s, 51, laps 52, lap 53, when I would go by people, especially climbing that hill, they're like, dude, Jesus, man, keep crushing it. And I don't say this to brag, but I, I, it made me realize the power of consistency because I had not broken stride. I had not broken my pace. I had not made the decision that I was going to take it easy up the hill, sprint down. I said, no, I'm just going to keep going. I can't tell you how many people beat me down the hill because I kept my pace. 
But guess what happened when they started walking on the hill, going back up? Now, about lap 56, I felt my left quad start to tighten up. And by lap 58, it, it started to, to rear its ugly head as I climbed up that hill. At this point, I'm still running, jogging. I shouldn't call it running, but jogging up the hill is a little too steep to run. And at about lap 60, I think it was actually lap 62, excuse me, I had three laps to go. My left quad locks up. In fact, if you've ever had a, a quad or a muscle lock up where you can literally see the muscle lock up, that's what my left quad looked like. And I got to the top of the hill and I couldn't, I couldn't run anymore. I could barely walk and I couldn't bend it. It, it just was, it was an absolute pain. So I got to the top and I laid down and said, Hey, can anybody stretch me out? And people were kind enough to stretch me out, help me out. Now here's where lesson number two of consistency showed up for 50 laps. I did not break stride. Here I am in lap 62 and I can't move right now. My left leg is locked in. Now, if this would have been me 10 years ago, the man 10 years ago who did not display consistency, I would have given myself mental. I started talking myself out of why I don't need to finish the race. Not a big deal. I guess it wasn't meant to be. I would literally start looking for reasons to drop out. In fact, I can remember my last season training for Ironman and all the races I did leading up to Ironman that summer where I almost, in fact, I did a couple times talk myself into dropping out because I just didn't feel it that day. Or maybe I dealt with heat or, or just some challenge that I didn't want to take head on. So I drop out and here I am at the top of this hill with three laps to go. They've already called my name at lap 60. Cause they call out your name when you got five laps to go. And I was one of the leaders. So I sit down, they stretch me out, but not once in my head did I even give myself the chance to talk myself into dropping out. In my head, all I was saying at that point was, dude, I got three laps to go. We'll get this. We're done. We'll get this. That's it. Just more three laps. So stretch out. They fill me up with some electrolytes. I go back down the hill. I literally walk down the hill backwards trying to alleviate that, that strain in my left quad. And on lap 63, now I'm into lap 63, I get to the bottom of the hill, and I, I can't straighten my leg. And one of the cameramen comes up. And he says, Hey man, are you all right? I said, dude, it's my left quads locked. He said, let me go get you some pickles and some electrolytes. Now, truth be told, as, a, as somebody who's done some racing in my career, I didn't know pickles were, were a, uh, were a good, uh, solution for dehydration or, you know, when you got muscles that lock up and cramp up. So I get to the bottom of the hill as I make my turn to come back up to finish lap 63. There he is with a couple cups of water with electrolytes and two pickles. And I'm just, again, barely limping. I even was ready. I was planning on crawling up the hill if I had to. And so I stopped for a second, drink the two uh, glasses of electrolytes, eat the two pickles, and I just keep going. And I started by side shuffling, thinking that would alleviate some of the tension. And as I started walking up the hill, ironically enough, the pain would subside when I would go up the hill, it was actually worse coming down. This is what I talked about. You think half the race is easy because you're going downhill, but man, when your legs are tired, that downhill is painful. And so 
I was able to alleviate the pain by going uphill. But here's what's so interesting. I just kept telling myself, man, you're doing fine. You're awesome. You got three laps to go. This thing's in the, bu in, in the books. You're going to finish. You're good. Just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I get to the top of the hill, finish lap 63, and something I would call magical happened. As I start heading down for lap 64, all of a sudden my leg starts loosening up. And by the time I got to the bottom of the hill, I actually surprised myself. I was like, holy shit, my leg feels halfway decent. I hit the bottom, come back around. I'm able to run, slowly run back up the hill for lap 64. And I knew at that point I had one lap to go. I come back down, go back up. You get your last final uh, jog or sprint back or into the finish line. And I was done. And I, there, even though there were no medals for winning, I think I finished in the top 10, which I was very, very proud about. But when I finished, and I sat there after the race and I can't just went back and replayed the race in my head. I was the one thing I was most proud of was how I handled the entire race mentally. The consistency, the, when I had a chance to try to speed up, when I saw other people sprinting down the hill, I said, no, man, just keep your pace. It's better to be. Occasionally, it's better to be consistently good than be occasionally great. Just be consistently good here. And I just kept that pace for 50 laps. And then when my leg locked up in lap 62, it, there was no talk of dropping out. There was no disappointment, no F-bombs being dropped. It was, no, dude, I got three laps to go. We'll be fine. If I got to crawl up this thing, we'll do it. And... Those were the two biggest victories out of participating in Hell on the Hill. It wasn't crossing the finish line, maybe in the top 10. It was the fact that I ran the race exactly the way I wanted it to. And if you were to define my race in one word, it was consistent. And when the going got tough, and it would have been easy to make excuses for why I can't finish. I didn't even let those thoughts get in my head. And I don't, I don't share this stuff to brag again. I don't share this stuff to, to, to put the spotlight on me. Why I'm sharing this is because I was that guy 10 years ago that would have made every excuse as to why I can't finish. I was that guy that was the opposite of consistent. And here I am at age 44 competing in a hell on the hill race, a tough race considered by now, apparently according to Jesse Itzler has the highest elevation gain of any half marathon in the U S it was about 4,200 and some feet. And I think I finished in the top 10. And so one, I was just damn proud uh, of, of completing the race, but two, the lessons I gathered uh, from competing in that race and finishing the race the way I did with consistency and, and still finishing near the top was the biggest lesson I'm going to take away from this race. Because when I look at our business at Complete Game Consulting, 
honestly, when I finished the race, I was even more excited about our business because if there's one thing we at complete game try to pride ourselves on more than anything is showing up consistent, consistently being consistent. It's the number one thing we try to preach into our clients. And at a time when it's so hard for people to show up consistently, uh, I'm here to tell you, make it your number one asset. If you can just do everything you can to be consistent, good things will happen. You will achieve the results you're out to look for, you're out to strive for. And, and in fact, I want to read something from um, All Day Running. Again, Jesse Itzler's company, the, the, the company that hosted the race. It's a sticker that comes on every piece of clothing you buy. And I tore it off my, uh, my hooded sweatshirt that I bought from them. Uh, last week. And here it is. They call it their manifesto. I may not be the fastest. I may not be the best. I may never even win a race, but I will never compromise my effort. I'm driven by a desire to make myself proud, to prove others wrong and to do my best. When I succeed, I stay hungry. When I fail, I recommit because I'm in, I'm all in all the time all day. And if there's one thing that defines complete game consulting, it's that last statement. We are all in all the time, all day. So that's what I'm going to leave you with today. Take a look at where you're at right now, whether it's personal or professional. And are you committed? Are you committed to showing up all in all day? So I'm here to tell you, if you are not, that is the one thing you are missing. The one thing that is keeping you from achieving those goals you're out to strive for. It's not more knowledge. It's not seeking the right resources or trying to find a better product to sell. Nope. It's being committed, being all in. All the time, all day. So, Hell on the Hill was a success. It's actually energized me to think about that next race because I have to admit, now I've got the itch to go out and compete again. But man, that consistency that uh, I was blessed to have show up in my life that day uh, was a lesson I'll never forget. So, you know what happens when you show up every day and you're consistent you will get clarity. When you mix that clarity with confidence, you do massive things, my friends. So take this lesson today, go be consistent as hell and go do massive things. Have a good weekend. Thank you for listening into this week's episode. And if you know of any other high achievers like yourself that you think would benefit from this episode, please do me a favor. Please share this with them. You would help me go a long way in sharing this message, getting this message out to as many people as possible. I'd be forever grateful. And if you really found benefit from today's episode, do me a favor, go subscribe to the podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a great review. It always helps to make sure that this podcast is getting in front of as many ears and eyeballs as possible. Thank you.